Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. We are under an assignment of the Lord. The Lord spoke to us a few weeks ago and he said we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. Do you think you can come up in your skill where the walk of the Spirit is concerned and the walk of faith? He outlined five specific things for us. He said, first of all, we need to know the leading with a certainty. We need to know the leading of the Lord with a certainty. Number two, we need to practice obedience. Practice obedience. Number three, develop humility and the love walk. They're connected. Develop those. Those are not automatic just because you're saved. You have to cultivate, or he said develop, humility and the love walk. The fruit of the Spirit, number four, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. It is vital. The fruit of the Spirit is vital. And then finally, the trust in God, His ways, and His Word. Those three, trusting in God, trusting in the ways of God, trusting in the Word of God. All three, they are safeguards for us. We are going to need those safeguards. Amen? So... We've been giving our attention to that. Pastor and I both have been bringing ourselves in study to these areas to help all of us gain this skill and develop these things that the Lord has assigned us to give our attention to. And so I don't want you to just limit it to your time in the church. I want you to take time throughout the week to understand God has spoken that to us as a a fellowship, as a body for us to know And as we hearken to that, as we pay attention to that and give it our attention, it will place us out ahead. It will place us and position us in the advantage. And so the scripture that he gave me was Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4. And it's talking about as they are coming out of the wilderness into the promised land. And he says... Uh, concerning the Ark of the Covenant, there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, so that you may know the way by which you must go. So for us to know the way by which we must go, we're going to have to keep our eyes on this moving of the Spirit, how the Spirit is directing us. There, He said, we're entering a season He wants us to know the way that we must go, for we have not passed this way before. So we've been going over some of these things. We've talked about the walk of faith some, and we'll continue along those lines. We've talked about uh, the leading of the Lord. When In my last time here in this campus, I gave that an emphasis, the leading of the Lord, and to, to hone our skills in being able to recognize how he leads us. 
And what I'm ready to, to dive into, and we started this morning, is how to develop humility. How to develop humility. And so we're talking about the Bible portrait of a humble man. The Bible portrait of a humble man. And let me just review a little bit of what we touched on this morning. And I encourage you to go back and listen to the teaching from this morning because we did cover a lot of ground. We found out that we are created by God and for God. Revelation chapter 4 verse 10 and 11. It said that we are created by Him and for His pleasure. And we also recognize that we are God dependent. We're God dependent. Everything that we have comes from Him. Everything that we are comes from Him. And we recognize that it's His desire to bless us and to impart His life to us. But our position of humility is uh, required for us to be able to receive that. And so we began to look at that dependence upon God. How we, we require Him for every area of our life. We saw that when Adam fell, when Adam disobeyed God and fell from the position God had created him for, that he began to show the characteristic of pride. So we've got a definition. We want to look at humility, and the Bible definition of humility is low. Lowliness, to bow or go low. To bow or to go low. That's something that we do. Our circumstance is not supposed to humble us. God is not supposed to humble us. We choose to go low. We choose to bow. And then the opposite. We found the definition of pride means high-mindedness, haughty, or lifted up. So humility is on the, the direct other end of the spectrum from pride. They are polar opposites from each other. Humility is to go low, to bow, while pride is to, be, is to lift yourself up or to be haughty. So Jesus said in Matthew 11, he said, this is what I want you to learn about me. This is what I want you to learn and then put to work in your own life. I am meek, and the Amplified says, uh, I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, Matthew eleven twenty nine. We're going to talk a little bit more about that scripture tonight. But I want to just let us understand that Jesus identified that as a characteristic for his disciples to uh, be proficient in. He said, this is what I want you to learn about me. And one translation says, this is what I want you to learn and follow about me. That I am meek and lowly in heart. And so our society has given a different viewpoint of what meekness or humility is that our society says meekness is weakness but Jesus is giving us a different viewpoint of humility or meekness it's one of the greatest strengths spiritual strengths we could ever develop in our life to develop this humility this meekness in our life when Adam fell he began to show the characteristics of pride he be, we, in mankind, we began to see the pride as a characteristic in, uh, in the, the behavior of man. So when Jesus came to the earth in his redemption, the characteristic that marked redemption was his humility. And we looked at Philippians chapter 2 where it says, and let me give the amplified of verse 5. Philippians 2 chapter 2 verse 5 
in the Amplified says, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. Let him be our example in humility. So when it says, let this mind be in you, it's talking about this perception, this mindset, this way of thinking, this example of humility. And then what does he begin to describe as this example, the highest example of the humility that Jesus modeled for us? It says, he humbled himself to come to the earth. Let's look at that in the next, in uh, verse 7, Philippians 2, 7, and I'll stay with the Amplified. He stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant in that he became like men and was born a human being. But he didn't look at it as something that was beneath him. He didn't have a prideful attitude about his position as the second person of the Godhead, the Word made flesh, God the the Son. He didn't look at his position. It says he being in the form of God, he didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God. Show me the 6 in the Amplified, verse 6. Although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, he did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped. In other words, he didn't say, I can't strip myself of my omnipotence and go down and be a man. I I can't lay aside my omniscience and go down and be... A man. No, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. He embraced it. He welcomed it. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll go and be your brother. Yes, I'll go and be your kinsman redeemer. Yes, I'll go. It behooved him. It was pleasing to him. He embraced it. He, He didn't have a prideful attitude that said, I'm too good for that. He, he was willing to lay all of the omnipotence, the omniscience, the omnipresence aside to come in the form and the fashion of a man so that he could redeem us. So our redemption is rooted in humility. And then it says he went a step further. Verse 8. He, he not only humbled himself to become a man, but he humbled himself still further, the Amplified says. And he carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. So his humility, his humility led him in the obedience to the Father. He went to the cross as a a sacrifice, laying down his life, humbling himself to do the Father's will to the point that he died on the cross as a substitute for you and I. Humility. What if Jesus had put himself before us? What if Jesus had thought himself too good to be that sacrifice? Then none of us would be here. So his redemption is rooted in his humility. And because Jesus humbled himself, what happens when we humble ourselves? God exalts us. Wherefore, the next verse says, wherefore God has highly exalted him and freely bestowed upon him the name that is above 
every name. So the exaltation of God came as a result of the humility of Jesus. Our redemption is rooted in humility. And then he gives us his nature and his character so we have access to the same humility that is present in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be as humble as Jesus if you'll let the vine be the source of the life flowing through you. Amen? We're the branches. He's the vine. And so we looked at a few things about what Jesus in his own life exampled about humility. And for those of you who weren't here, take your notes fast because I'm going to go through these scriptures. We, we looked at a few different ones. In Luke 22, verse 27, Jesus said, I am among you as he that serves. Hallelujah. In Luke 18, 14, Jesus was teaching and he said, He that humbles himself shall be exalted. In John 5, 19, Jesus said, The Son can do nothing of himself. And so we began to see a, a description in the life of Jesus of this humility. Humility in its essence is an entire dependence upon God. God is my source. God is my strength. He is my creator. Without him, I can do nothing. But through him, I can do all things. That's an entire dependence upon God. I am, I am God dependent. You are God dependent. We of ourselves cannot originate a life flow, but it's his life in us. It is he who has put breath in our bodies. It is he who has put the synergy, the synapses in our brain. It is he who has given us any of the talents or the skills or the abilities that we have in life. It is him who is the source of our life. And so this God dependence, Jesus himself said the son can do nothing of himself. He said it again in the same chapter, John 5 and verse 30, when he said, I can of my own self do nothing. Of my own self. In other words, the Father is who every... Jesus never took credit for any sermon he preached. He never took credit for any miracle that he performed. He never took credit for any healing, any, any supernatural act. He said, it's the Father. It's the Father. It's not me. It's the Father. And so he said, I can of my own self. If Jesus can of his own self do nothing, where are we? Where are we? Can we do anything of our own selves? No. We're dependent upon him. He, in that same verse of uh, 530 of John, he said, I seek not my own will. That's humility. I seek not my own will. So if we're going to follow this example and develop humility, we're seeing in the life of Jesus our example. And we also said that we can take these scriptures and put them in our heart and in our mouth, and we can use those scriptures as spiritual seeds to help develop a harvest of humility in our lives. We can, uh, we can say just like Jesus, I can of my own self do nothing. It's the Father. I seek not my own will. We can say that. Okay, John 6, 38, he said, I have come not to do my own will. John 7, 16, he said, my doctrine is not mine. John 8, 28, he said, I do nothing of myself. John 8, 42, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. 
John 8, 50, I seek not my own glory. I seek not my own glory. Whose glory was he seeking? He wanted God to get the glory. He wanted God to get the glory. So we don't seek our own glory. John 14, 10, the words that I speak, I speak not from myself. John 14, 24, he said, the word that I speak, it's not mine. So he's giving God all of, not only giving God all of the credit, but he's getting it all from him. Everything that he exampled came from the Father. And everything we are to live out in our life, we're supposed to receive from the Father as well. Praise God. So we looked at the humility in the life of Jesus. Now, I want to go a step further tonight, and I want to look at the humility in the teaching of Jesus. Because for us to develop this spiritual attribute, we're going to have to have spiritual substance to build it. We're going to have to take it off the page. We're going to have to see what it looks like on the page of the scriptures. We're going to have to let the Holy Spirit bring it to life in us so that we can establish in our heart, how can I exhibit and portray and live the humility that is in Jesus Christ? It's possible, it's available, but I've got to cultivate and develop this. So Matthew 5 is where we're going to start tonight. That was all just... uh, recap from this morning and there was a lot more detail this morning so if I encourage you to go back and and feed on it because we're not going to get this just by one one uh, glance at a subject this is something that we're going to have to I've been digging uh, we're going to have to dig around we're going to have to let these scriptures really um, be be Soaking into our spirit so that we can see how we depend on God and how our dependence on God is our humility to him because when we know everything comes from him, we'll give him all the praise, we'll give him all the glory, we'll look to him, we'll inquire of him, and we will follow him in a greater capacity. Matthew chapter 5. And then we also know that what happens to the humble? What does God give to the humble? Grace. Grace. I, want, I want the goodness of God. I want his favor. I want his help. And so what qualifies for more grace? We humble ourselves. He gives more grace to the humble. Matthew 5. And we'll begin in verse 3. We're going to start here in the teachings of Jesus. And we're, we see here this is the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've been utilizing the Amplified. I'm going to utilize it here as well. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It says, Blessed, happy to be envied and spiritual pros- spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit. Oh, the humble. Did you see that there? Poor in spirit, the humble. Now, for a long time, I thought, that doesn't, that poor in spirit, poor in spirit, what does that mean? Well, poor in spirit represents those who have nothing in themselves. Is that us? Did we go, oh, oh, we missed the recap over the NU realities. 
In, in you. We went through some in you realities. Should we review those in, in you realities? We were talking about our in Christ realities, but we had to find out that in you, in yourself, in ourselves, we are nothing. Galatians 6 verse 3. If anybody thinks himself to be somebody when he is nobody, he deceives and deludes and cheats himself. In ourself, we are nothing. In ourself, we know nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. If anyone imagines that he has come to know and understand much, he does not yet perceive and recognize and understand as strongly and clearly, nor has he become as intimately acquainted with anything as he ought or is necessary. And Brother Hagin said, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Amen? So in ourselves, we know nothing. What do you know that you haven't been taught or hasn't been revealed to you? Nothing. In ourselves, we have nothing. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who separates you from the others as a faction leader? Who makes you superior and sets you apart from another, giving you the preeminence? What have you that was not given to you? What do you have that was not given to you? I mean, this body you're walking around in, it was given to you. You didn't have to pay for your body. You didn't have to pay for your brain. You didn't have to pay for your heart. Right? It was given to you. What do you have that was not given to you? So, number four, in ourselves, we can do nothing. Jesus said it about himself, but he also said it about us in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I am him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. So we see here that although we emphasize our in Christ realities, in him I live, in him I move, in him I have my being, in Christ I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That in Christ's truth is, is valid, but it has to be including the in Christ part of those scriptures. If we say, I can do all things, we haven't completed the, the fullness of that truth. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things. I am the righteousness of God in, in Christ. Not in myself, in Christ. I am the righteousness. So that truth has to have that clarity that without him I can do nothing. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, but not in myself outside of him. So we, we keep that humility intact as we recognize our entire dependence on our being in Christ. Amen. So as we're looking at this teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble the poor in spirit, those who know in myself I have nothing. Why is that person blessed? Because their entire dependence is on God. They're, they know it's not me. 
It's him in me. It is not I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. We've got to be aware of that. We've got to have faith in that. It's not I that live. It's not I that prospers. It's Christ in me that's prospering me. It's Christ in me that's giving me the wisdom on my job. It's Christ in me that's giving me the favor in this situation. It's Christ in me. It's not me all by myself. It's not my cute smile and my good looks. It's not, it's not the way my hair was fixed today. It's not. No, no, no. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. And that is the key. I'm dependent upon him. And that means he gets all the glory. I can't come out there and say, look what I've done. Woo! No, I can't take the credit for anything. It was him. I give him glory. It makes you thankful. It, it makes you thankful. It makes you realize how good he is. It makes you Fill up with gratitude. Lord, you did that. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who have nothing in themselves. They're humble. They recognize what I have is coming from God. And then in verse 5, there is another similar. He said, blessed are the meek. The meek. Blessed are the meek. The Amplified says, the mild patient, long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. And the meek person represents those who are seeking nothing for themselves. You remember what Jesus said. He said, I do not seek my own will. I did not come to do my own will. I'm seeking my Father's will. I've come to do my Father's will. I'm teaching what he told me to teach. My doctrine is not mine. The words that I speak, they're not mine. I've come to teach you what he sent me to teach you. I've come to tell you what he told me to tell you. Do you see? I am meek. I've got that submission to recognize I'm not after my own ambition. Now, I talked about it a little bit this morning, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more tonight about the danger of ambition. And this is something that really became clear to me in a conversation that we had a number of years ago with Pastor Caldwell. And Pastor Caldwell began to define the difference between ambition and a holy passion or a holy desire. And he said some people in ministry are mistaking the holy desire for their, for their mistaking ambition for holy desire. And they're doing things in ministry. They're trying to build their ministry on their ambition. They're trying to preach their sermons out of ambition. They're trying to establish their, their popularity out of ambition. And he said that person will never, never hit the target that God has for their life because ambition is not the same as a holy passion or a holy desire. And so we've got to recognize that that ambition is something that comes out of that desire to be recognized, that desire to achieve so that I can say, look what I've done. And that ambition has its root in carnality. It has its root in pride. And so we have to be those who are motivation. You know, the motivation is really more important uh, than people think. The, The reason why you're doing what you're doing. There were some things that I didn't change what I was doing. I just changed the reason why I was doing it. And I would say, Lord, 
I'm, I'm not tithing because I have to. I'm tithing because I honor you. That's my motivation. And I, I turned instead of feeling like, okay, I got I to gotta tithe. I got to hurry up and tithe because I don't want the curse. No, no, no. I want to tithe at, at first because I want you to see your first. It, I, I was still doing the same thing, but with a different motive. My reason changed, and I purposed to release my motive in my words when I did it. I would say, Father, I lift up my tithe to you out of honor. I put you first. Before I'm paying any of these bills, I am honoring you. I'm not paying you something out of drudgery. I am honoring you by giving you what belongs to you first. I am honoring you with the seed because I trust your ways. I'm not sowing seed. I remember we had this conversation a number of years ago. And, and, and you were asking me because of the motive. You said, because it is right to sow seed and expect the increase because that's the way God established. He said, when you sow, it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But my motive for sowing I had to begin to recognize, I'm not just giving to get. That's not my motive. I'm going to get because it's built into the giving. But I'm giving because God established seed time and harvest as a law in my life. And I, I honor God's ways. I honor God's ways. So God, you gave me the seed in the blessing. I'm sowing the seed with the motive to honor the way that you establish. This is how you want to multiply me. Yeah. You, you see how it takes the greed out of it? Oh, I don't want there to be greed where I'm just trying to, come on, come on, get my seat in the ground. Like a crap game, right? Like, you're, like shooting dice. Some of y'all did just went right over your head. Good. That's good. That's good. That's not my motive. My motive for sowing is God gave me the seed. I'm going to honor that. God gave me the right to sow seed. He gave me seed as a method to multiply me. I'm going to act on his word. I'm going to sow with a cheerful heart. Hallelujah. I look forward to the day that Bonnie gets to come just so I can, I can, I can watch Bonnie Groniger sow her seed. Bonnie, we love you. Please come sow your seed so that you can demonstrate cheerful giving. We love to watch Bonnie with her cheerful giving because it honors God. God loves a cheerful giver. So why, why, do, we, why do we give cheerfully? Because God loves it. You see the motive? Hallelujah. So the meek, blessed are the meek, the meek aren't seeking their own ambition their own ways, their own way of doing things. Matthew 11, let's go back to it. Let's go back to Matthew 11 and let's look from the Amplified. Hallelujah, thank you, praise God. Who knew I'd get this excited tonight, preaching on humility. Matthew 11, let's look at verse 29. Come unto me, what's 28, we'll start at 28. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, that's what ambition does. It's laboring. Why? Because in the ambition, you don't have the favor flow. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn. This is what I want you to learn. This is what I want you to learn and emulate or learn and follow about me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. Think of all the things that Jesus could have said. This is what I want you to learn about me. And this is the one he chose. This is the one he emphasized. I want you to learn about my meekness, about my humility. And, you, and then when you do, when you learn that, when you develop that, what are you going to find? Rest. Rest. The Amplified says relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet. Amen. No more drama for the mama. <laughs> relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet. When are we going to locate it? When are we going to find it? When we learn about his meekness. Why? Because the ambition destroys this rest. That ambition is like a, a, a slave driver just pushing you and pushing you. Come on, you got to do better. You got to make, you got to make your name great. You got to do this. You got to do that. That ambition, it's always a striving and a pushing and a laboring, but not when we are seeking his will because we don't have to fight for his will. Amen. We, we have to just get in the flow of the will of God and we're not, we're, we're letting God's will be in our life. So let's look at some examples. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I want you to see how this ambition plays out. Luke 9 and verse 46. Then there arose a reasoning among them, the disciples, which of them should be greatest. Oh, Ambition. There arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest. I think I should be greatest because of what I've done and how long I've been with him and how I was the first one to get out of the boat. And, and I, I think I should be the greatest. Can you hear them? Can you hear their reasoning? Which one of them should be the greatest? And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him and said unto them, whoever shall receive this child in my name receives me, and whoever shall receive me receives him that sent me. Humility, humility. Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever sent, whosoever shall receive me receives the one who sent me. For he that is least among you, he that is least among you, the same shall be great. He that is least among you, the same shall be great. They were vying for position. They were striving over position. And he was identifying where the greatest position is found in the humility, in that in that going low, in that positioning yourself in a place where I'm not striving to try to be. Amen? This is who's great. 
Do you want to be great in man's eyes or do you want to be great in God's eyes? I want to be great in God's eyes. Amen? All right. Now, let's look at another example. Matthew 18. And we'll begin in verse 1. Matthew 18 and verse 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest. So he's using the humility of a child. Is, is the child got that striving ambition? Is, that, is the child seeking their own will? Or are they under the will of their parents? Are they submitted to the will of their parents? He said, whosoever will humble himself. Who does the humbling? We humble, we humble ourselves. Whosoever shall humble themselves as a little child, this person is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, that goes contrary to the way we've been taught in our society. And our society is the one that's wrong. We want to renew our minds to what God calls the greatest. What God approves. And God approves humility. Amen? All right. So, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her son. So she didn't come alone. The disciples were with her. This is, these are the disciples' mom, the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping Jesus and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What do you want? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. What's she after? She's after position. And they're after it too because they're with her. Right? This wasn't like, oh, mom. Mom, what are you doing? No, no, they were there like, what she said. Yeah, yeah, we'll put our mom up to asking you. Like, I want to sit on the right, and I want to sit on the left, and, and mama's going mama's gonna to ask because he's got a soft spot for the ladies, right? No? Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you ask. And he, he's, he begins to say, are you able to drink of the cup? Verse 23, he said, you shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given for whom it is prepared of the Father. And when the ten heard it, (laughs) talk about some strife. What does ambition do? What does ambition do? We can tell this ambition is not a holy flow. It's not a kingdom flow because it brings strife. In each one of these examples, it has caused a striving. When the ten heard it, 
They were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. So what were they after? They were after power. That's what ambition is in. It's in the power. It's in the the recognition. It's in the accolades. They were after that power, and Jesus identified it. He identified that as the motive, but he said, but it shall not be so among you. Not in the kingdom. That's not how we roll in the kingdom. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your diakonos. It says minister, and the word minister is the word diakonos, where we get the word deacon, which means servant. Can you show me that one in the Amplified? Verse 26. Not so shall it be among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. Do you want to be great in God's eyes? All right, this is a renewing of the mind. This is where we take what God says and we put our faith and our trust in what God says and we begin to delete, 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 delete what we've learned from society. That to be great, everybody's got to be waiting on me. And to be great, I've got to be the one in the position. That's what they were saying. Give me position that has power. And God said, if you want to be great, Jesus said, if you want to be great, then you must be the servant. Amen. We must be the servants. Hallelujah. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So we're following his example. Jesus has set an example for us. He is the model of our humility, and he came as a servant. Hallelujah. We're looking at humility in the teaching of Jesus. So he says that if you want to be great and high-ranking in the kingdom of God, you'll be one who serves. Hallelujah. So that needs to be our attitude. I'm here to serve God, and I'm going to serve God by loving his people. I'm going to serve God by loving my brothers and sisters and, and preferring them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 23. Did you know Jesus taught on this so much? Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Talking about position, right? Talking about that place of power. The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe and observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Let all their works they do for to be, but all their works they do. Why do they do their works? To be seen of men. So what's their motive? Ambition. Ambition. To be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, which were uh, uh, things that they had 
you know, when he said, bind the word upon your eyes, well, they had things that they would put out here. So they wanted everybody to see how they had the word before their eyes. They had the word bound on their heart. They had all of these different outward shows that they were spiritual, but they weren't spiritual in their walk. And so he said, they enlarged the borders of their garments. And look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. They love that. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, 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 I get to go to that event? I'm going to be sitting in the place of honor. And greetings in the markets. And they love to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be ye not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. And all ye are brethren. All ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you. This is Jesus. This is the words of the, the, the master. He said, he that is greatest among you. He is identifying what makes us great in God's perspective. perspective. In God's perspective, those who are the greatest are those who are serving. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself. We don't want to do that, do we? We do not want to exalt ourselves. What's our part? What's our part? Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Let me, let, me, let me show you why we want to humble ourselves. We want to humble ourselves because 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves. 1 Peter 5, 6, amplified. Humble yourselves. Lower yourselves in your own estimation. You know, the Bible says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. That doesn't mean think down about yourself. We don't think down about ourselves, but we just don't think about ourselves more highly than we ought to. If we know that everything I have came from Him, where am I going to get the glory out of that? It's not my ability, it's His. It's not my words, it's His. Right? So... Pride believes things about itself that aren't true. Humility is rooted in truth. While pride is, is a deception, it believes a lie about itself. It believes, yeah, I am all that. I am important. Go ahead and tell me how great I am. Right? That's not true. Because everything I have came from him. It is he who has made me and not, not, not me myself. Right? So Jesus says, whoever shall exalt himself. And we see that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. What happens? 1 Peter 5, 6, what happens when I do that? In due time, he will exalt me. James 4, 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Luke 14, 11, whoever exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted, which is what this verse here in Matthew 23 is saying. When we exalt ourselves, we will be brought low. That's the ambition. That's the ambition. 
But if God exalts me, it's because I've humbled myself. I humble myself and I let God do the exalting. Amen? We want to humble ourselves on your job. You don't have to be seen. You don't have to be noticed. If somebody else gets credit for an idea that was yours and they take it, let them take it. Don't stand up and say, hey, 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 I was the one who developed that program. I was the one who set that in place. I was the one who suggested we do that. Just don't even go there. Just don't even strive with them about it. Just pull back and say, praise the Lord. I'll humble myself. God will exalt me. I'll humble myself. I'm not going to try to take the recognition for it. I'm going to let God handle that. Amen? So that's why we want to maintain that we never put ourselves in a place where we try to exalt ourselves because he said, He whosoever, whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. That's spiritual law. That's spiritual law. If you, whosoever jumps off this roof shall hit the ground. It's going to come down, right? That's spiritual law. You better hope there's a tarp under you or something, right? Whosoever exalts himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself, this is spiritual law too. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they loved the prestige, but Jesus identified it. He, he saw right through it. He said they loved the uppermost rooms. They loved the chief seats. They loved the titles and the recognition. But I'm telling you that for you to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be a servant and you need to humble yourself. Let's go ahead and look over at Luke 14. I quoted one scripture out of there, but I want to read this section from Luke's perspective. Luke 14, we'll begin in verse 1. And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him that had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace, and he took him and healed him and let him go, and answered them saying, Which of you shall have a donkey or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. Why? Because they had certain, certain things that they promoted but didn't hold to. And so he said, he put forth a parable to those which were bidden. So now we know who he's talking about, those scribes and those Pharisees that he was just talking to. He put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief room. So what's this parable about? Why, why is he telling this parable? Because he is noticing how, they, how their ambition is working. How they are, they are choosing out the chief rooms. And so Jesus, that's the purpose of this parable. When you are bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than you be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him 
uh, come and say to you, give this man place, and you begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when you are bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room. You humble yourself. You don't choose out the highest place. You choose out the lowest place. And if someone wants to move you up, they can move you up, but I'm not going to try to move myself up there. I'm not going to try to place myself in that position. When you are bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade you comes, he will say unto you, Friend, go up higher. Then shall you have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever, here we go again, whosoever exalts himself, it's a spiritual law, whosoever exalts himself will be brought low, abased, brought down a notch or two. It's not God, it's the ambition. Mm -hmm. It's the result of the ambition. It's, it's the harvest of sowing ambition seeds. What are you going to reap a harvest of? Being abased, being embarrassed, being brought low. So he said, he that humbles himself, this is spiritual law, he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Hallelujah. 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 So now we're seeing Jesus not only was an example of humility in how he conducted his life and the things that he said about himself, but now he's teaching on humility. I have, I have another one, Luke 18. Luke 18. And we'll begin in verse 9. And he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Now, if you're trusting in yourself, and we're defining humility as an entire dependence upon God, then who am I not trusting in if I'm trusting in myself? Not trusting in God. So he, this is the reason he spoke the parable, because he saw those who were trusting in themselves, that they were righteous, and what were they doing as a result? Despising others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. <laughs> Who is he praying to? It's him and it's, it's, this is me having a conversation about how great I am. <laughs> he prayed with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are. can you hear the high-mindedness can you hear how he is lifting himself up high-minded haughty lifted up those are descriptions or definitions of pride and we hear in his words that high-mindedness that haughtiness that lifting up of himself i am not like these other people commoners I am royalty. I thank you that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Out loud. I mean, talk about putting him on blast. Even as this publican. 
I, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. How many, you know what? I've circled every time he uses the word I in my Bible because the, the vocabulary of selfishness is me, 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 I, 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 my, my, my. You can identify that selfishness in those words. He says, I am not as other men. I fast twice in the week. I give my tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breath saying, God, be merciful to me. Be merciful to me, a sinner. So is he humbling himself or is he, is he lifting himself up? One is lifting themselves up and the other is going low. Humility goes low. Lord, it's you. You're the one who, you are the one who's done every good thing for me. Thank you, Lord. Go low. Hallelujah. I tell you, this man, the, the one who went low, the one who humbled himself, he went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. So we see Jesus taught this same, same words, those same phrase, he that it humbles himself, he that exalts himself, he taught it in three different texts that we've seen so far. Hallelujah. Did you know Jesus taught on this so much? And then Luke 20, even at the Last Supper, the disciples were still striving over position. Luke 20 and verse 24. That's not what I want. Hallelujah. I wrote down the wrong scripture. Give me, give me a second to find it. Twenty-two. Thank you, ma'am. Twenty-two. We'll begin in verse twenty-three. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing, because he had just said to. Uh, um, uh, Judas about the one who betrays me is uh, with me at the table. And they were inquiring. And then it says, there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. So here's Jesus at the Last Supper trying to get his disciples ready for leadership, <laughs> trying to get his disciples ready to be the representatives of God on the earth as he goes to take his place at the right hand of the Father. He's got to teach them again about the importance of humility. He says, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. In other words, those in, are, they have positions of authority with power. But you shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that does serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Is it 
not he that sits at meat, but I am among you as he that serves. I am among you as he that serves. He's our example. So we need to recognize that the, in, the, in the kingdom of God, we are, are in, in our lives, we are in the kingdom of God in our entire day. We are working the kingdom of God system throughout our day. We are dealing with people from our place in the kingdom of God. We don't want ambition or pride to be present in our lives. We want to recognize it. That is not the nature of my my vine. I'm connected to a vine which is characterized by humility. Jesus is my vine. I am his branch. I want to bear the fruit that looks like the branch, the vine I'm connected to. Amen. I want the fruit in my life to be a demonstration of my connection to him and that humility is a, a, a product that, or an attribute, a characteristic that is produced by our depending upon him. And his humility is available to us. Hallelujah. Pause. I think I've given us enough to soak for one day, okay? For, with, with this morning and tonight, we've covered a lot of ground. But I don't want this to be the only time that you think about it. Go back and listen to the podcast. Go over your notes. Study it. This is not just for me to preach this sermon to you. This is for you and I to develop the humility that is going to prepare us for the days ahead. Because who does he give grace to? The humble. Who does God resist? The proud. I don't want God resisting me. I don't want God resisting me. I want, I want to qualify for the grace. I want to qualify for the help. I want to qualify for his favor. Amen? And he gives grace to the humble. So we're going to humble ourselves. We're going to look at the way we interact in our marriage. We're going to look at the way we interact with each other in the church family. We're going to look at the way we interact with people on the job. And we're going to... Put to work, put to practice the humility that's available to us in Christ.